Hi, I'm Seth. And I'm Charlotte. And this is Fool's Errand. A podcast about tarot, astrology, and everything in between. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Fool's Errand. This week, I'm joined once again by my wonderful and insightful and highly intelligent co-host, Charlotte. Oh my, wow, thank you. Hello. And we have an extra special guest, a returning guest, a friend of both of us and of the pod, Max. Hey. And this week, we're going to be discussing... Um, femininity, masculinity, the gender binary, does it exist as it pertains to tarot? Um, So yeah, should be a very interesting topic. We thought it would be, you know, I think this is a very relevant topic. I think it's being discussed a lot now within the community as we sort of change our understandings around gender and how gender works. Um, And I think that can definitely impact how we understand tarot and how tarot works. Um, But before that, we're going to get a quick update on the astrological movements in the sky from our astrological expert herself, Charlotte. Take it away. Hello. So we're now in cancer season. Max is a sweet, sweet cancer. I am a sweet, sweet cancer. (laughs) We have one on the pod with us today. But if you're a cancer, happy birthday. We hope you are having a wonderful season. Um, Cancer season is so much fun. Cancers are like very intuitive. They're very in touch with the moon because that's their planet they're very creative they're very caring and insightful and um they're just very like revolutionary i feel like in terms of like art and creative work and creative thought so like i'm i've been googling famous people who are cancers and like just the cancer hall of fame is incredible like frida kahlo she so and her of the same birthday oh that's incredible I know. <laughs> um lana del rey is a cancer um, <laughs> but yeah there's lots of cancers so cancer season is definitely like a good time to get in touch with yourself in touch with like your sense of comfort your sense of home that sort of thing um we also have a retrograde that's still happening until july 18th and that's the merch mercury retrograde um i've already been feeling it for a while now um and it's not the most fun it kind of messes up if you're having issues with like communication and technology that's that's the mercury retrograde (laughs) um but it's also causing us to pay closer attention to the dysfunction in our relationships and particularly in our homes I think um it's causing everything to sort of be placed under this uh heightened magnifying glass in a way like if you normally kind of like suppress faulty relationships or dysfunctional communication in your relationships and kind of just like gloss it over with um a preferred narrative or sense of reality you like to tell yourself then that's not really going to be possible right now because I just feel like all around shit is going to hit the fan and we're just sort of going to be forced to like fix things or 
just like suffer in them so I don't know to me that's always the positive part of retrogrades is like shit hits the fan and then we have no choice but to make hard and important decisions to like get our life in gear and get our shit together so at the end of the day this will be a productive period of time I think it just also might be an uncomfortable period of time but besides that we have this really big transit that's happening on June 30th, Jupiter and Pluto are making a conjunction in Capricorn. And so I guess people have been researching this and there's been Jupiter-Pluto conjunctions in many of the worst pandemics in history, like the bubonic plague, the 1918 influenza and the AIDS epidemic. So it's kind of spooky that this is happening again during coronavirus. Um, I think the last time there was a Jupiter-Pluto conjunction this year was in early April, which was when infections were really through the roof all over the world. So this is a time to still be very careful, even though a lot of things are opening um, this can indicate like a resurge of virus or like infection. So just be careful and be smart um, and take proper precautions. Um, besides that, we have a full moon or no, and sorry, we have a new moon that just happened on June 21st in Cancer, which was also the summer solstice. So that was a really, really, really powerful new beginning that we're still kind of in the shadow of on June 26th. So this is a really good time to kind of like clear your mind and set your goals for like a new chapter. This is a really good time for particularly creative endeavors um, because Cancer is so related to like um, emotive work and emotive communication. And then we have a full moon coming up in Capricorn on July 5th, and this will be a lunar eclipse, um, also around the time of the Jupiter-Pluto conjunction. And Mercury has also got a weird placement going on there, so that's going to be a really weird energy, I think, for everyone, and it's going to be one of very powerful realizations. So I'm curious to see how that will be impacting everyone on an individual level because that's going to be a very heavy full moon so yeah that's our astrology update yeah thank you thank you yeah it's always it's always good to know what's what's happening in the in the sky um but yeah like the weatherman um so yeah so i guess we can move on to our topic for the week which as i mentioned earlier was um was about gender and the gender binary as it pertains to tarot i know charlotte you've mentioned this in the past how there's sort of like an ongoing debate around whether or not we should still use sort of the gender binary or like terms like masculinity and femininity to understand tarot. Do you want to expand upon like what that means sort of thing? Yes, absolutely. Um, just before we get into this discussion, I feel like it's an important disclaimer just to say that like everything we're going to discuss is 100% our opinions and it's not at all law so um if you're listening you're totally entitled to your own opinions and beliefs of 
gender and we don't want to like make you feel invalid or make anyone feel threatened in their identity or anything um we're just kind of like giving takes on like this like long historical debate that's going that's gone on for so long because I feel like not just in tarot but in so many other forms of religion there's always been this really intense motif of masculine energy versus feminine energy and how they interact and stuff um and I don't know I guess for me I like it kind of first sort of like rubbed me the wrong way this whole like you need to have both masculine and feminine energy and they need to be like a hard dichotomy and blah 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 blah. because I was having a conversation with um a family member who's much older than me and um is from an entirely different generation and we were having a very heated debate about the idea of parenting And she was like, I think it's really necessary that like, there's a masculine and feminine energy, like present when like raising a child, like that doesn't necessarily mean that like both parents have to be the same gender or opposite gender. It's just like you need both energies. And I was like, I don't know if I agree with that. Like, I think that's kind of very restricting to a lot of people if you're like, oh, there needs to be like masculine and feminine energy present to like, support a person. I was like, how does that affect people who are single parents like that just seems very confusing so like for a very long time this idea that like you need both and they exist in this hard dichotomy has kind of like just really like it's just given me a lot to think about and I'm still not really sure how I feel about it or where I stand on it because I know other people like just totally don't believe in gender at all and they're just like gender is pointless there's no use for it everyone should just be like whatever the fuck they want and we shouldn't label it as anything and like part of me really agrees with that so I don't know there's so many like perspectives and takes on this but I think in tarot tarot is this really like personal tool that so many people use and it has a lot of those hard motifs of like the emperor is like very masculine very like hegemonically masculine where it's like very aggressive very commanding very like leader and warlike and all that stuff and then on the opposing end you have the empress and she's more of like the hegemonically feminine and she's the mothering energy and her themes are all like nurturing and childbirth and fertility and all this stuff so and it's not just those cards, like we see it in so many other pairs too. Like it's the Hierophant and the High Priestess and there's the sun and the moon. And so um, I think that I like, I don't know. I like, I don't know. Seth, what do you think? I'm like freaking myself out about this because I have so many thoughts and I just don't know how to put them into words. <laughs> yeah, I would say, I mean, I think that's a good place to start. I think the, I think with tarot, you have to understand that first, this was created in like the 15th century or the 14th century when I think our understanding of gender was very, very different. Um, I think there's this very big narrative of sort of this yin and yang sort of thing where like on one side you have feminine and one side you have masculine. Um, I'm thinking about, like you mentioned, the emperor, the empress, or like the king and the queens of each card. Um, And I think also it seems to me like there are very, there are fairly strict gender roles that come with these, these understandings around um, 
sort of energies where the masculine is seen as like dominant, head of the household, aggressive, um, sort of passionate, opportunistic, etc. I'm thinking just like any of the kings, most of them are about like leadership or like achieving things, um, about being charismatic, about being like um, someone who's a go-getter, whereas the feminine is far more internal as opposed to the external masculine. And it's about like household, family, relationships, love, emotions. Um, and sort of like, this is even broader with like the cups and the pentacles, I would say are very similar where cups is like feminine and pentacles is masculine and cups is all about emotions and pentacles is all about sort of wealth and physical things. Um, and I think that is a good place to start, but I also think that like, I don't know. I think there, it seems to be like a fairly narrow understanding of gender. Um, and I think now in, in sort of like 2020, like I think those understandings of gender um, need to be updated in the same way a lot of things about tarot have been updated. Um, we were talking about this um, last week with the hermit how the original meaning had to do with like a priest and being guided by like your faith in God. And now nowadays the meaning has sort of broadened to be about just sort of having like a long-term goal. Um, and I think that's sort of needed in tarot as well. It's like broadening the definition of femininity, which cards are feminine, which cards are masculine. And not only that, but also challenging our our preconceived notions around what masculine looks like and what feminine looks like um what would you say max i know you haven't really had any time to speak so yeah um i also i guess i haven't spent like a lot i i have thought about this i definitely disagree with the notion that like you need to have the both of them like balance like charlotte was talking about i think that that's like i think that everybody has like their own mix of whatever like we consider masculine or feminine like like so what we what like society like these societally constructed um or like paired together ideas that like can like make up these two like larger kind of umbrella terms for like basically just like a list of adjectives that people um thought of as like the ideal man or like the ideal woman and obviously that's not like first of all like the, like i don't think that there is and i think most i mean i live in like a smaller more like kind of conservative nook of the world where like there is still some people who definitely have a strong sense of like what um or believed to have a strong a strong sense of like what they think is like a, a, an ideal man or an ideal woman is and i think that but like i think the world is changing where um people can take up and pick and choose different roles to construct their own individual um so i no longer think that i i have never thought that like you need a certain like a certain amount of feminine or a certain amount of masculine energies because those are just like there's so much beyond that you know yeah no I totally agree um yeah I agree like that's I think that's why this whole like 
the whole issue that my like relative raised like rubbed me the wrong way because I was like I just don't think that's true but um I've also been thinking like as we've been talking and like there's also a lot of cards if you're operating on this gender binary when you look at tarot like there's also a lot of cards that are like very androgynous like I'm pretty sure we did an episode where we talked about how like one of um I think it was a card in Max's deck looked like yeah, the magician, the magician was like, <laughs> looks like <laughs> Timothy Chalamet <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was actually part of the reason why I asked Max to join. Um, not only because obviously you like have a lot to say on this topic and, you know, it's always good to have different perspectives, but also I know your deck. Um, I obviously I purchased the deck for you, so I think I would know. Um, I know your deck. I know your deck has a lot of like sort of androgynous or more androgynous yes. looking um, cards. Um, so- yeah, yeah I, I'm just, that? like, kind of browsing through my deck right now, just, like, picking up some cards. So, obviously, there's still some, like, pretty strong, like, like figures of masculine. But, like, I think that there are, like, you know, even in, like, our world today, like, there are people who are, like, extremely, like, what we would call, like, feminine presenting and, like, have, like, a really, like, femme look. Um, and then there's other, like characters in my deck like particularly within the um the minor arcana like i'm looking at the three of pentacles and it's these three little like it's these three people that um are wearing like they're all wearing like long cloaks they all kind of have the same haircut but like all of their features are kind of like just are like really androgynous like you could really like kind of ascertain anything you want about them but then like on the other hand like there's the major arcana which i think are generally like pretty one or the other kind of and then there's some like yeah but like i think that there's some like really beautiful cards that and even like like i'm looking at the hermit right now and i could like i think that it's like it isn't i think you could really like i think it goes beyond just like this is a man kind of um which is really nice yeah yeah i agree i think um I think it's really important to note that I think, at least for me, and I think you guys might agree, but if you don't, definitely say something. But, like, I definitely think the conversation, or at least the goal I would like to see for the tarot community and, like, moving forward and having a more, like, representative and, like, more accurate understanding of gender, how gender works, is not necessarily to, like, abolish or remove the meanings of masculinity. Like, I definitely think, as you were saying, there are there are definitely a lot of individuals who are very masculine or very feminine and identify strongly with that. And I don't think that, like, like the emperor or the empress shouldn't become, like... <laughs> that like the hierarchy like two you know or like something like that like i I don't think the gender notation is always wrong the emperor um and i think yeah put an x um but but i think also like i don't know i just i think expanding the definition of those two broadening our horizons and then also encouraging and emphasizing cards that have a more androgynous um, meaning. I know I was like reading through my my book, which is fairly old, and they were talking about like the hermaphroditic qualities of certain cards, which is like 
a very problematic understanding of like androgyny and gender. But I do think also like that was still something that was like a narrative um, within the original and sort of like the Rider Waite Smith. And I think even like more traditional iterations of tarot definitely take into consideration, I think like the gender binary and like people or like things and, and, um, or the gender spectrum, I guess is a better phrase. And the way that like certain individuals or events fall, not necessarily on one end or the other. But I think also as we understand, as our understanding of gender evolves, I think we also need to sort of start talking about things that fall outside of the gender, uh, spectrum, if you will. And I think should, should move to be more representative of that as well. Yeah, I like, I almost feel like, because I like, like, there's so many cards that are androgynous, like temperance is so androgynous. And then I've been looking through my deck, which is the carnival at the end of the world deck. And there are so many illustrations um, of like anthropomorphic figures or figures that are like really not identifiable as like this or that and they have like a lot of different elements happening and like stuff like that so I almost feel like the function of like this extreme binary in tarot between like really opposite characters is just to highlight extremity and so I almost wish like Seth was saying for like a push or a shift in the tarot community and just spirituality and um kind of like mysticism in general like I feel like attention should be redirected to talking about extremity versus like this is like deeply masculine or this is deeply feminine because like I don't know like I identify as a woman but like a big part of like my idea of like womanhood and everything like I have experiences and like traits and qualities within myself that I that like would be considered very masculine but they're they're more so just like traits than they are like a a labeled thing and so I feel like with the emperor like that is more about this extreme state of being commanding and then with the empress like that's about this other kind of extreme state of being incredibly giving but at the same time there's like elements of the other in each card like the empress still has like a bit of that like stern mother energy and then the emperor still has like he's harsh because he cares is kind of like his vibe so there is like that yin yang thing happening that like seth mentioned earlier um so on the one hand i feel like we could totally let go of this like hard emphasis on masculine and feminine and just focus on extremity but then at the same time i know a lot of people like really take comfort in things that are defined as like strictly feminine or strictly masculine um not to say that like any one person is entirely masculine or feminine like everyone is a complete mixture and like combination of both of those things and sometimes other things that are like in between and like it's a whole spectrum like max is saying but like i know um some people love to explore like femininity and like embrace the classic tropes of femininity and like um unpack what they mean and like why they're there and stuff like that and so I think like that's also a valuable approach and a valuable like lens so 
I guess that's why I get so stuck up on why I just feel so confused about like I encounter some people who are like I want to throw the binary away altogether I don't think anything should be labeled I think like traits should just be traits and like that's that and part of me is like yeah I really agree with that like that makes so much sense and then like there are other people and artists that I like follow and listen to and stuff and their whole aesthetic and like career is built on like kind of like this like commentary on like what is like traditionally masculine and what is like traditionally feminine and sometimes it's also built on like reclaiming those things or like finding empowerment through that label so I'm also like that's the thing that those people enjoy so I don't know but um yeah I don't know what do you guys think I mean I think that a lot of like especially like in I mean like e- when doing a reading for somebody, right, like, you are, like, presenting and, like, granting this person, like, a, like, a kind of, like, a smorgasbord of, like, ideas or, um, like, conclusions or, like, paths to take, and, like, at the end of the day, like, it's, like, your own, like, you shouldn't like as like a reader you sh- you can't like i think that like just being like oh well like the deck is like masculine like my deck is masculine or feminine it's kind of like a tangent i guess but like my deck is masculine or feminine so like like but like that's not really like my fault which i think like removes agency because i think like you know like these are just illustrations and like they're like i mean like obviously these illustrations are meaningful but like you craft your own like idea of like what these mean and like how these will like affect or change or like uh this person like your queer in, um life or like how they will change them in this moment not like their life and um but so i think that like like as a reader you should and as like a, a like a receiver of like the information like you need to like a little bit falls onto you and just think like how can i like remove myself or like how can i like push myself outside of just like what is like most people's comfort zones you know it's like can i push this forward um like myself like do i like really need like the illustrator like i think it is important like i mean like your deck charlotte is like really beautiful because it is like so like out there and like there's not really like the like illustrations on your card are not really like human beings but, like they're not like they're not quite human beings but they're not quite not um so like you know like it's but like and it's like it would be really cool if like more illustrators in the tarot community could like kind of like follow that lead and like pick or even like my card like my deck which is like has like figures of like high femme or like like more masculine and then like more androgynous like neutral um characters if you will so i think that that like you should really like i think that the reader or the yeah your reader like you should really like sit with your deck and think about like how can i like push this forward and not like push like a kind of like um uh an aged like understanding of of feminine or masculinity which might be like really harmful to some to a person you're with the person you're reading for yeah yeah no i definitely agree i think it i think this conversation is i think important not not because like i think we need to like virtue signal or like 
appeal to this notion of like more gender representation in tarot, but rather because I, I know we've talked about this before, but I think the, the power of tarot is that it is so representative of like universal human experience. And it's, it's still relevant today, despite being made like hundreds of years ago, um, because the creators were able to sort of tap into this like fundamental experience that is relatable regardless of situation. And I think when you're discussing something as foundational as gender, um, like at the end of the day, we want as tarot readers, we want a reading to be as accurate as possible. And for someone who has like a more complicated history or understanding or identity around gender than simply like male or, or like man or woman or male or female, um, then like, I think the ideas or like cards, like the emperor or like the king of coins or like the queen of cups or whatever, aren't going to be as useful or representative or relatable. And so like, it's our jobs, as you were saying, Max, as readers to alter our understandings and our interpretations to provide a more accurate reading. We do this all the time with like, um, like if, you know, if we gave readings like 20 years ago, we would probably talk about very different things. Um, like if we gave a reading pre-coronavirus, we would talk about different things. Like our interpretations adapt to our current situations because we're basing it off of everyone else's lived experience. And as their lived experience changes, so do our interpretations. And so I think it's at the end of the day, it's really important for us to like center our interpretations and our understandings of tarot around how the world works. And so I think appealing to, as you said, this like sort of very traditional, um, like not updated version of gender, I don't think does anyone any good. Yeah, I just totally, I agree with both of you so much. I love the way that you guys worded that. It was so wonderful. Um, yeah, I totally agree. I think, yeah, everything tarot just like is evolving and i think what Seth said about like the universality of it is so important and um i'm just like excited for the way that it will continue to evolve and like the way the art form will continue to evolve like max was saying with illustrations and stuff um and yeah at the end of the day is this like there is this huge element of agency interpret and interpretation that like falls onto the readers and um and also the querents but i would say primarily the reader the readers because we're the ones like providing this experience and interpretation for our querents um but yeah, so now we're going to we're going to get into our um, question for the week. And so this week's question is how to give a tarot reading for your family members. Um, I guess I can start. I have done this multiple times. It's always a very tricky, tricky thing. Um, if you've listened to our past podcasts, I have always talked about um, like honoring the relationship between the querent and the reader and how the, the reader sort of, the idea is that the relationship is so important in tarot because of sort of the unclouded vision that the reader has 
um, that they are not affected by the personal biases and like personal takes that the querent has. And so I think when you're doing readings for like close friends or in this case, family members, I always ask that the question just like is something that I don't have a personal opinion about. Because like if if my sibling asks a question about like his or her or their relationship with my parents, like I most case, like I will definitely have a an opinion on it. And so I think that would like cloud my judgment. Um, but I've I've definitely done it and it's been pretty productive. I've done ones where it's about like things within the family, and I think it can get a little awkward um because it's like I don't know. It can just bring up. I find that tarot oftentimes just brings up stuff that people didn't really want to hear, but kind of needed to. Um, that's like a very common thing for me for when I do readings. And so when it comes to family, a lot of times it's like stuff that they just don't want to deal with that comes up. And then it's like this sort of like awkward, like, oh, I guess we're going to have to have that conversation again, um, sort of thing. So I think tread carefully. That would be my advice. Yeah, I agree with what Seth said. I've given readings for my grandmother, which was like very, very intimidating because she knows about tarot and then she's also like the head of the family. (laughs) So I didn't want to like, yeah, there's always like a stress that you'll say something wrong or um, especially if it's like someone who kind of is an authority figure to you, you don't want to like overstep boundaries. Um or get into issues that are like too personal and make things uncomfortable. So I, I think Seth's advice is perfect. I'm honestly going to start doing that because I wasn't before. Um, but I think if you can make it more like about the person and less about you and more about the sensations and emotions and experiences they're having, um, the better, like for my grandma, I remember, I mainly focused on like the stress that she feels with managing her children and her grandchildren and like the responsibilities she has and um, kind of like her past and what she's overcame and things. So it can also be nice if you use or if you give a reading that provides like a sense of orientation or um, compartmentalization for people like honestly like if you for whatever reason are giving a reading for someone and you're just not comfortable comfortable like getting into a theme that's in the reading that's just really personal and you're just like I think this will really backfire you can always take the less emotional route of just kind of like breaking down the person's life of being like this is where you came from this is where you are this is where you're going like consider this perspective like be grateful for what's happened and what you've accomplished and like what you're moving towards because that doesn't get into the like okay so let's unpack like the childhood trauma like let's talk about the fact that you're like extremely depressed and pushing away everyone you love like you know like those things kind of like come for people um and I think that just like more giving people a reading that provides some perspective sometimes can be so appreciated um Because I think for people who are in tarot, we spend so much time qualifying everything and like organizing our lives and being like, I'm at this point in my journey and other people just really do not spend any time doing that. So it can also be perfectly valuable um, 
simply to give a reading that helps the person position where they are and give them some perspective to like the journey that they're on. So that's my advice. And make them pay you. Always make them pay you. If you're not getting paid for your tarot readings, just in general, I would say you're getting ripped off. I know we made an episode about this a long time ago and I was like, well, you know, it's always nice. No, I've completely changed. You need to, you need to get paid for your services one way or another. Um, especially your family members, because I have had this thing where like, they're like, Oh, like Seth reads tarot and everyone's like, Ooh, read me, read me. I'm like, okay, open your purses. Like, Like if you want to have this service done to you, hello, like I need something back in return just because you're a family member doesn't mean I'm going to like spend like 30 minutes of my time, like doing this thing for you. So emotionally breaking down your life. Exactly. Let's get that MasterCard out and ready. My Venmo is. Um, Make them pay. That's what I. Exactly. Well, I think that is a good way to end our episode. But like Charlotte said, I think this is definitely, this was sort of a tricky conversation. Um, Our understanding of gender is always evolving and growing. And so I would say. This is especially one where if you had anything else to add, we would love, love, love to hear, um, not only for the podcast, but also just for our own readings. Like I'm, I'm always interested in how tarot works within current understandings around race, gender, sexuality, et cetera, um, and how that is always changing and, and growing and evolving to a better place. So yeah, make sure to reach out to us if you have any questions, comments, or concerns um, on Twitter, Instagram, or email. And yeah, thank you so much for listening. That was this week's episode of Fool's Errand. If you like what you are listening to, make sure to follow us on SoundCloud. We release a new episode every Friday and Monday. And follow us on Instagram at Fool's Errand to stay up to date on new episodes and let us know if there's anything you want us to talk about. Thank you so much for listening.